I want you to join me tonight um, in the book of Numbers. We're going to go to the book of Numbers. And uh, uh, then uh, I would like for you to also join me in the book of Jeremiah very quickly. The book of Numbers tonight, chapter number 11. And uh, I want to lay just a little groundwork here for you and uh, see what God won't do in this place tonight. I, uh, I was so very grateful when I walked up on the platform tonight to see Elvis, my buddy. Glad you're here, man. Love you. Amen. Numbers chapter number 11. And then we're going to go to... Uh, Jeremiah chapter 32. Numbers chapter 11 is pretty, uh, uh, pretty typical of humanity. God has been extremely good to the children of Israel. And they, uh, they begin to complain in the midst of God's goodness. Is there anybody besides pastor tonight that's been guilty of it? No matter how good God's been to you, you start complaining a little bit. It's tough, isn't it? You ever have times where you say things, and then when it comes out of your mouth, you're like, did I really just say that? Or you say something, and you gripe, and you complain that somebody comes by you that's less fortunate than you are, and you get convicted. Well, I want to tell you, that's not just your feelings convicting you that's the Holy Ghost letting you know you're really blessed you're really blessed and so the children of Israel are they're complaining to um, the Lord well to Moses and they're saying we're sick of this provision we don't we're, we're tired of manna we want God to do something else and and Moses gets tired of hearing the complaining and he starts complaining to God and uh, you know it's bad when pastor loses hope starts griping. I'm glad my wife married somebody that never gripes. Amen. <laughs> Moses got to griping. The Lord, Lord came down to him about verse 16, and he said, you know what you need to do? You need to get your 70 men. You need to get your 70 men that can help carry the load, and uh, we're going to make this happen. Now, I just want to kind of work in through this uh, it's going to take me just a second, so walk with me. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be elders of the people, and officers over them. Bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and I'll put it on them. They shall bear the burden of the people with thee, but thou bear it not thyself alone. Say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you flesh, and you shall eat. Now, here comes this God moment. He said, tell them, you're not going to eat one day, or two days, or five days, or ten days, or twenty days. 
but for a whole month, you're going to eat it till it comes out your nostrils. I'm going to, I'm going to give you flesh until you're so full that it's coming out of your nostrils. And it'll be loathsome unto you because that ye have despised the Lord which is among you and have wept before him saying, why came we forth out of Egypt? Moses said, the people among who I am are 600,000 footmen, and thou hast said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. He said, God, do you know how big this is? Shall the flocks and the herd be slain for them to suffice them? How are you going to do it? Shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. Verse 31. There went forth a wind from the Lord. Where did it come from? And brought quail from the sea. Let them fall by the camp. And it were as it were a day's journey on this side and as it were a day's journey on the other side round about the camp. And as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day. And they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten homers. And they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. Moses said, Lord, I don't know how in the world you're going to do this. I'm not sure you've thought this through real well, God. Because you said you were going to feed them all flesh. What are you going to do? Just drain all the fish out of the sea? How are you going to do this? We're going to, they're going to kill all the, all the sacrifice? Kill all the livestock? Now, I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you the St. Clair version. This is not King James, okay? God says, you let me be God. And you be you. I'm getting ready to show you if I can really do what I say I can do. Jeremiah 32 and 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Can you answer that tonight? Is there anything too hard for God? Have you faced a mountain yet that's too big for God? Have you walked through a trial yet that's too much for God? How many of you know he's faithful tonight? Is there anything too hard for God? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. I believe you're going to do a work in this house tonight. I pray for good soil. The seed is always good, Lord. May it be delivered tonight in the context in which it was received into my spirit. I pray that somebody would receive strength and help and hope and life. In the name of Jesus, let your will be done. God, we know there is nothing too hard for you. You are more than able to do that which you have committed unto us. And we trust you for it tonight. In the name of Jesus, let the church say amen. Come on, let everybody else say amen.
And if you know God is able, would you just shout unto the Lord tonight? Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. You may be seated tonight. I want to ask you this question. Is there anything too hard for God? I have uh, I've experienced seasons in my life. Now, I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and upset whoever I'm going to upset right here in the beginning. Because we're going to preach against one of those scriptures that aren't scriptures, okay? And then I'll, then I'll preach you happy. I've had times in my life where I was going through some heavy things that were too heavy for me. And somebody said, well, that's not of God. Because the scripture said he'll never put more on you than you can bear. Well... There's a problem with that. The scripture doesn't say that. It's nowhere in the Bible that God will not put more on you than you can bear. Now, dealing with the issue of temptation, he said that he would never allow there to be more temptation on you than you could find a way of escape. So what I'm saying to you is it may be a heavy load, but there is an exit strategy. He's already made a way before you go in. So what I'm saying to you tonight, I guess you could kind of tie it together with what I was preaching this morning. It's almost the biggest and craziest fake news that you will hear about God when people say, well, if you love God and you do things the right way, then you don't have trouble. Well, that's not true. Just because all things work together for my good does not mean that it feels good. It doesn't mean that it feels right, even though it is right. And we hold God accountable for things and say, well, God, if you really love me, I wouldn't be going through this. And the truth is, the reason why you're in it is because he loves you. And he's making something out of you. He's... Making something out of your story. He's making something out of your testimony. Everybody wants a testimony. Nobody wants a test. Everybody wants a message and nobody wants a mess. Come on now. Can we go back to kindergarten on that right there and just let me preach a little Pentecost to you? There are times that there's more on me than, than I can bear. And I'm going to just insert this in here, and then I'm going to preach. I told you I'm going to make you uncomfortable, then I'm going to preach you happy. While it is true, I don't believe God wants to put more on me than I can bear to make me collapse and just, just to show me he's the man. I do believe that I can bring a lot more on myself than I can bear. And I found that a lot of times the things that people are blaming on God, that he's brought on them and... This God-inflicted uh, wound is not a God thing. This is something that I've brought on myself. My family's not falling apart because God chose for me to be a workaholic. My family's not falling apart because God chose for me to miss church. My family's falling apart because I made some decisions. And somebody else made some decisions. Well, pastor, it's not always my fault. That's true, but it's somebody's. Somebody's making decisions. And so 
What I want you to understand tonight is we've got to squelch the false doctrine that goes around that God is not going to let us go through some things. I know that if, that if you have faith as of a grain of mustard seed, that you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and it can be cast into the sea. But you know what I found in my life? That more mountains than he moves, he lets me climb. But I don't ever climb them by myself. He walks with me. He talks with me. Come on, somebody. He tells me that he's with me. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm going to be with you until the end. Well, Lord, this has been a tough battle, and you're not going to put more on me than I can bear. Well, that's true to an extent, but I want you to understand that the reason sometimes God lets us go a little deeper than we think we should have went and a little more pressure than we should have felt is because until you get to the end of your solutions and your answers, you're never going to turn to God for the answer. You'll get happy in just a minute. I'm telling you right now that Jesus said it out of his own mouth. The whole need not a physician. And if you've got all the answers to fix everything in your life, then you don't need God. But when you get under the pressure of life and you can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel, eventually you're going to get to the place where you say, God, it's bigger than me and I've got to have some help here. Gotta have some help. And so that's where that's where Moses is. He's frustrated because the people are frustrated. But the people are like children. There's a reason I guess why they're called children of Israel. They're like children that get frustrated. Now, I can honestly say before God, and I mean this sincerely, I'm thankful my kids aren't like this, and there's probably a reason why they're not. Uh, you ever seen kids during the holidays that wanted a certain gift? Their parents bought them $350 worth, but they didn't get the one they wanted. I saw a video of a kid literally lay down in the floor, kicking and screaming and yelling and, uh, I said in my heart right then, they'd have put me in jail that night. I, I would have, I'd have spent my first night, my first night in jail right then. I, 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 I watch that kind of stuff and I shake my head at it and then I look at my walk with God. I start thinking about how I deal with God. Well, he didn't answer the way I wanted him to answer. I thought God should have brought deliverance then. I thought God should have lifted that load then. I thought God should have set me free then. I thought God should have worked by now. I figured this trial would have been over with. I figured God would have already brought me through. But can I tell you tonight that there's something that's got to get down deep in your soul. I don't tell God when it's enough. God tells me when I've had enough. It is absolutely pride. For me to stand back and say, I know when I've had enough. 
I don't know when I've had enough. Only God knows when I've had enough. But sooner or later, I'm going to get down on my knees and say, Lord, I think I'm right there at that point. I don't know. And you feel that little gentle nudge of the Holy Ghost where you get those glimpses of glory on a Sunday night like this. And it feels like God just speaks a little relief into you. And then you go back out on Monday and there it is again. And you face a day again. But you know what it does? It'll drive you back to a prayer room and say, God, it hadn't broke yet and I'm going to seek you until this thing breaks. That's why we got to get it in our spirit. Every Sunday night is not going to feel like camp meeting but I'm not here for just what I feel. I'm here because I know who's here. Oh yeah. If you think that pastors preach all the time because they feel like preaching lost your mind you know what I come in here sometimes and I know people probably think I'm a neurotic nut but I come in here sometimes and I pray to things that about things not to things I pray I pray about things that don't even exist seriously I come here and pray I've even preached to things that don't exist in, in, in here I got to preaching one Sunday morning in here on faith. Some of you may remember this some time ago. I got to preaching to all the people in the balcony and the overflow in here. And I got to preaching to all the people sitting out in the lobby, watching on the screen. Pastor, well, I, I don't understand why you do that because I live with that blessed hope down in my soul. That this Sunday may just be the Sunday that your backslidden kid comes walking through the doors. I live with that hope down deep. Why do you keep on preaching then? If you're not seeing it every week, if baptism waters are not being troubled every week, because there's coming a day that they're going to line up to be baptized in Jesus' name. Hey, I'm telling you, I don't preach about harvest because we're having all the harvest. I'm preaching about it because sooner or later, the dam is going to break and God is going to pour it out. happen now this is the part that you may not you may not know but the enemy is convinced that what this church can do come on now that's why he's doing everything he could to to fight it I mean the Lord said from the very beginning he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it we clap about that oh yay not gonna prevail no think about this Think, think about what, what we're clapping about right there. He said they're not going to prevail. That means at least they're going to try. Gates of hell shall not prevail. Oh, well, thank you, Jesus. Let's just put her on apostolic cruise control and let's just go for it. Oh, pastor, don't forget this one. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Yeah, read the first part again. No weapon formed. No weapon formed. Oh, my Lord, I need somebody to get that right there. No weapon formed. He didn't say he wouldn't form the weapon. He said, form the weapon. The devil's convinced. I got to get you convinced tonight. You need to let the devil know you go ahead and form the weapon. You go ahead and fight against the church.
You go ahead and try to bring it down. You go ahead and fight against my family. But I've already sent prayers up. I've already spent time on my face. I've already taken dominion over this city. I've already walked by faith through the streets of this city and declared this is not your city. This city does not belong to witchcraft. This city does not belong to witches and wiccans and warlocks. This city does not belong to Lucifer. This city does not belong to principalities. There was an angel host here, a Tassaba that was here before the devil ever showed up for the fight. God said, my hand is on the city. Something powerful that happens. Uh, this is going to come across really crazy. But I want you to know there's some things that I've come to agreement with on the devil. We agree on some things. <laughs> Not many. But we agree on some. We agree on the fact that once a person gets their mind made up to live for God, it really doesn't matter what you try. There are faithful people in this house tonight that I've watched you fall to sickness. I've watched your family go through grief. I've watched your family go through struggle and trial. But I'm going to tell you where I agree with the devil tonight about your family. He's given you his best shot, and it hasn't worked yet. And you're still standing. And so tonight, I want to agree with the devil. I don't know what it's going to take to get you down. I don't know what it's going to take to get you out. Hey, I want to tell you, he don't know what to do with people. That when sickness comes on them, instead of cursing God, they just sit up in their bed and say, I believe that you're my healer. I know you said you would heal my body. And I stand on it tonight. Look, there's, there, there's, something, there's something backsliders need to know in this community. It's just something they need to know. We're never going to stop praying for them. It's not going to happen. We're just not going to stop praying for them. There's something that your lost sons and daughters need to know. We're not going to stop praying for them. Now, I don't pray those easy prayers. Jesus Pat them on their little pointed head. Oh, no. I got enough grit in me that I've, I've started praying years ago. God, whatever you got to do to save Years ago when my daddy was your pastor, and I, I know, I know, you're not going to like this because he was praying for some of your kids. But I'd hear my dad praying. He'd say, God, make their bed a bed of rocks. Make their bed a bed of stones. I'd start praying, God, make them miserable. When they get up in the morning and try to eat their breakfast, think about what they're going to do. Let them have a flashback to a hot Sunday night where they were dancing and shouting in the house of God. You can't run away from the prayers of the saints. 
You may try to run from God, but I want to tell you tonight. I want to preach to the atmosphere of this city. We're not giving up. We haven't quit praying. We haven't stopped believing. We're still believing that at any given moment, including tonight while I'm preaching, that another prodigal may walk through the back doors. I believe that God is going to do it. So, I agree with the devil that this church is a great threat to his kingdom. It's a great threat. Pastor, how do you know he feels that way? I know you probably don't want to believe this, but he talks to me pretty often. What, what, What do you mean? I mean, when I'm doing my dead level best to believe. I hear this little voice that says it's never going to happen. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. But God, we've been praying, we've been reaching, we've been striving, and I hear this voice that says, well, just give up. Because it's never going to come to pass. Yeah. And in that moment, I don't lift my ear and say, oh, Lord, was that you? Right. I'll tell you a story. I'm probably going to destroy everything I've just done tonight. I said there was a church service going on one day. Little country church. Double back doors coming into the sanctuary. The preacher got this puzzled look on his face, and every, about the time everybody heard the doors swing open and bang against the wall, he looked afraid and he dropped down behind the pulpit. All the church turned around, and Lucifer was standing in the back door. They said Lucifer started walking down the middle aisle and people started scattering. They went out the side doors and ran out in the yard except this one old boy sitting in the front. He sat on the front row all by himself. The devil came up and sat down beside him. And he said, do you know who I am? The old boy said, I know absolutely who you are. He said, you're not afraid of me? He said, no, I've been married to your sister for 40 years. Guys, this is the dumbest time in your life to amen me right now. You better shut up and keep your mouth closed. God bless you. You're dismissed. I've come to encourage somebody in this house tonight. I just felt simple faith in my spirit today. I've come to encourage somebody in this house tonight and tell you, you don't have to believe everything he tells you to believe. You don't have to believe every report he sends your way. I said, you don't have to believe every report he sends your way. How do I know the devil believes in me? And the devil believes in this church is because everything that I'm believing God for, the devil tells me it can't ever happen. It's because he wants to discourage us as the body of Christ and shut our mouth and keep us from coming before the throne. But I'm telling him tonight, you can't shut up a preacher and you can't shut up a prayer warrior and you can't keep a faithful saint of God down. Somebody's got it in their spirit tonight. You throw everything at me, everything you want to throw at me. But I've already made up my mind. 
I'm going to live for God. I'm going to make it through. I'm going to have revival. I'm going to see it. Go ahead, devil. Get your arsenal ready. Go ahead and form the weapon. I've already declared victory. I may not see it, but I still believe it. Faith. Hebrews 11. Is the substance... Of things hoped for. Man, y'all are preaching. Evidence. How, how is it evidence if I can't see it? You know, I think at one point I told the story here. I'm not sure. But I heard the story about a man that went to a doctor that was a, uh, he was an atheist. And he went to the doctor and the doctor said, uh, sir, I don't know what we're going to do with your body. He said, but what would you like to see done? And the man said, well, I'd like for God to heal me. And the atheist doctor said, well. God's not real. And the puzzled man looked at him. He said, sir, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand what you're saying. He said, well, sir, have you ever seen God? He said, no, sir. He said, have you ever touched God? He said, no. no. He said, have you ever smelled God? He said, no, sir. He said, see, not real. So a few minutes later, the doctor slipped out and he said, I'll be back in a few moments. And he walked back in and that guy's heart got to beating on him. He said, I don't really like that. And he walked in and he said, doctor, let me ask you a question. He said, do you believe in pain? He said, well, sure, I believe in pain. He said, well, doctor, have you ever smelled pain? He said, no, that's stupid. He said, doctor, have you ever seen pain? He said, nah, no, never seen pain. He said, uh, Doc, have you ever tasted pain? He said, no. What point are you trying to make? He said, Doctor, then how do you know pain's real? He said, because you feel it. He said, Doctor, you just answered your own question for me. I may not be able to see him. I may not be able to touch him. I may not be able to taste him, but I feel him right now. I've come to tell you, you may not see the breakthrough. You may, not, you may absolutely not have any indication that there is a breakthrough coming. But faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that I have not yet seen. In Luke, the first chapter, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to hurry tonight. I don't plan on keeping you until sunrise. Have you ever felt like it'd just be nice if you could get somebody to encourage you in what you've been believing God for? Wouldn't that be good? Instead of somebody saying, man, you're dumb. There ain't no way God's going to do that. 
Wouldn't it be cool if you could just get somebody to just touch and agree with you? I believe that God's going to heal my body. Well, but you know what the doctor said, so we got we to gotta keep you together here, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate the encouragement. <laughs> and it's always funny because people know how to encourage you at just the, just the right time. When you're in a really low place, Job's buddies come sit and have lunch with you. You know, I've read that story many times, and I've thought, I don't recognize them names, but I'm pretty sure I know those guys. It's tough. The angel of the Lord in Luke chapter 1 came to Mary and told her, he said, You're, God's getting ready to do something in you. The spirit is getting ready to conceive something in you. And she asked the question, and I think it's fair in the 34th verse. She said, but how can this be? It's out of natural order. I, I don't know how this can be because I've never known a man. How can this be? And I love this verse. He says to her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. That's a sermon right there. Yeah, yeah. While you're still standing there trying to figure out how you're going to do it, the angel of the Lord said, the Holy Ghost can make it happen. The Holy Ghost can absolutely make it happen. The Holy Ghost is going to come on you. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth. She hath also conceived a son in her old age. And she's in her sixth month who was called barren. The angel of the Lord testifies to Mary said, you and Elizabeth are pretty close. And you've been watching for six months. What men said six months ago was impossible. But after heaven came down and talked with Elizabeth. Nobody wants to help me right now. Zechariah just doing what he knew to do. Just standing in the house of God. Doing offering sacrifice. Hey, this is my day. I'm going to offer my incense. His lot was to burn incense. Don't know what else to do. So I'm just going to do the right thing. Don't know what else to say. So I'm just going to keep on believing God. Nobody said anything to us for 400 years. And the last thing Moses said when we shut out the Holy Scripture is just do the will of God and do what's righteous. So here we are, 400 years. Nobody's been preaching. Nobody's been saying anything. No angel showing up. And the angel shows up while a man is being faithful to something he was never told personally to do. He never heard it preached out of the mouth of Moses of what the priesthood was supposed to be doing in the house of God. But he knew it was the right thing to do. And he wasn't doing it in hopes that he would get a word. He was doing it because it was the right thing to do. 
Here comes the angel down the right side of the altar. He says, buddy, it's time for you to go home and talk to mama. It's time for y'all to start thinking about the future again. And Zechariah says, the future? I'm too old for the future. And it's just like with Moses. God, you can just, you can just read the overtone. God said, well, you, you just, you let me be God. Zechariah said, well, I've got, I've got some I've got some doubts about that. And the Lord said, well, I can fix that. And he reaches down and just zips his mouth shut. I'm talking about. You know. <laughs> the whole preaching the happy thing. Can I get, just get one pause break? You know what that story teaches me? It teaches me sometimes the best thing to do when I can't say anything positive about the will of God. Come on, Thumper. Come on, Thumper. If you can't say nothing nice. That's the nicest way I've ever heard a mother tell her kid to stop talking. My mom was never that nice to me about it. She's probably in church in Florida, so she's not watching. I knew it was getting serious when she was talking through her teeth. That would have been a whole lot. Disney, don't even, they didn't even know what they were doing. If, if she would have said that to Thumper with her teeth clenched, it would have been a little more real. If you can't say something nice. <laughs> Bless all you precious mothers. She said, I'll tell you what, Zechariah, what we're going to do here. We're just going to zip the lip. Does anybody know the next time Zechariah said anything? The next time that he said anything was when somebody started to name John something besides John. The Lord said, until you can start naming things what I've said to name them, I don't want you saying a word. I think you, I think you may have missed me right here. The Lord said, until you can start speaking my language. I just want you to keep your mouth closed and keep on believing. And when you go home and Elizabeth says, I don't know how we're going to do this. He said, just go on home and say, listen, whatever the Lord said, that's what we're going to do. I refuse to speak doubt in my home. I refuse to speak unbelief in my home. I'm just going to believe it until God says to name it. Name it. I'm going to name it. I'm going to name it. Mary. Ooh. I've watched God for six months doing Elizabeth. What men said could not be done. They were all at the end of the rope. It was medically impossible. It was physically impossible. She had already passed her prime years. And I'm preaching and you may not even realize it right now. She had skated right on past her prime. She had gone right on past the moment that she could have done the most for God. At least that's what she thought. But God did something in her that was a forerunner for the Messiah. God said, I'll tell you when it's too late. I'll tell you when it's over. I'm about to do something in you that's going to prepare the way for the greatest miracle this world has. Behold thy cousin Elizabeth. 
She has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her. I, I, can you all read that? I, I, I don't have my glasses on. What's that? What's that? Who? What? Say that. I heard it. Was? She's, she's not anymore? Why not? Because the devil said this the way it's always going to be. This is Elizabeth. That was barren. This is your child. That was lost. This is your mother and daddy. That were lost. Go ahead to that very next verse for me, brother. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. This is Mary. She was barren. This is John. He was a drug addict. This is Mary. She didn't know God. Her family was a wreck. But with God. You can be seated. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hurry. I'm going to pick on my buddy for a minute. Hope you love him. I'm done, Brandon. I think you will. Brandon came to God in a revival meeting. I mean, when you look at what God's done in his life now, it's just unreal. And he came. And I'll never forget the night I was standing right there. And I didn't know Brandon yet. And I'm, I was like standing there, and he walks up, and he goes, I'm, I want you to baptize me. I'm like, okay, don't hit me. You remember, Lacey? He was standing there kind of wringing his hands back and forth, and he goes, but I want you to do it. It's like, bro, we got clothes back here, let's. Let's go do it. And Brandon had already come to church once. And honest to God, I guess the Lord got on him so good he thought he was having a heart attack. Yeah. Sitting right, right there by the camera. And uh, he's like, I'm not doing that anymore. And then the next time he showed up, he came up there and wanted to get baptized. Now, what I didn't know, and this, is, this was his story, he said, I'd already said, I wasn't speaking in tongues. <laughs> Am I lying? No. Do you hate me? No. He's like, Psh. I mean, if, you, if you've ever talked to him, you know, it's just, I'm not speaking in tongues. But he told me this after. We put him in the water. And when I put him down under the water, water started blowing up out water out of his mouth and when he came up out of the water he was speaking in other tongues as the spirit of God gave the utterance I'm not going to speak in tongues
So let me interject this right here. I remember when this guy that had married a backslider out of our church said, I'll never be one of them. It happened, didn't it, Brother Maines? I mean, I'm not telling them who it was. Huh? I won't tell them it was you. And I remember watching that shell start break down. Teaching, Dad was teaching Bible study and looked up one night and guess who come in? Guido. Here come, next thing I know, his wife came dragging him into church. <laughs> Kicking and screaming. Look back now, and I don't even know what life was like without the gospel-believing man that you are. I don't remember that. I know he does because that's his testimony. But that's how God does things. So Brandon thought I was done with him, but I'm not. So Brandon came to me after his baptism, God filled him with the Holy Ghost, and it was, this, it was a change just like that. I mean, God did it. And... uh I don't want to just get into his past, but he was just doing some things. He was drinking and things that he, he just w wasn't good. And uh, he was on his way to an event with some, some of his old buddies, his old drinking buddies and smoking buddies. At night, I got in the car, and I'm, I'm probably going to mess some details up. And I'll never forget this testimony. Brother Hensel, the night he came, he said, Pastor, he said, the other night, man, I, I feel it on me right now. I'm having a hard time. He said, the other night, I got in the car with my buddies. He said, we were headed to Noblesville. He said, one of them broke, it, broke this out and had a bottle, and the other had this in his hand. They're like, here, Brandon, drink up. He said, I don't drink anymore. He said, What? So here, take this. He said, I, I don't smoke anymore. What? What do you mean? Because I was. Y'all, I got chills all up and down my spine. I said, because he was a heavy drinker. Because he was a smoker. Because he was a pill popper. But tonight he's a one God, apostolic, Holy Ghost filled man that's got a Holy Ghost filled wife. And they're serving the Lord. And every time the doors are open, they're in the house of God. You know why? Because I still believe that God can say what man was impossible. God can turn it around. That guy will never change. That guy will never serve God. That guy will never break his habits. You just don't know the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Woo! Well, with God, nothing 
You know who believes that? The devil. You know who should believe that? Us. For with God. Somebody preach it at me right now. Pastor, go, 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 go ahead and move on. We, we get this. It's elementary. No, we don't get it. N-O-T-H-I-N-G. Nothing. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah, but the doctor said nothing. But the lawyer said nothing. I'm trying to stay in my skin right now. Somebody ought to have a Holy Ghost fit in this house. I'm telling you, you keep on praying, you keep on believing, you keep on fasting, you keep on trusting, and one of these days that wall's coming down. They're going to walk in the doors of the house of God. So Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me. Woo! According to thy word. Watch. I love this line. This is where we miss it. And the angel of the Lord departed from her. Why did the angel leave? Because she got it. Nothing shall be impossible. And Mary goes, according to thy word, the angel goes, my job's done. I'm out. I think it's time for an angelic shift change in some of your lives. I think it's time to go ahead and let God convince you that really nothing... Pastor, if you could see my checkbook right now. Yeah, but if it's in your checkbook that you've been faithful to God and you've been paying your tithe and you've been paying your offering, nothing. I don't care what your checkbook says. I've got a God that's able. He is able. He is able. 